Episode 66 of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike, sitting here with my boys, ready to talk some wrestling. Sorry to be a little late this week. Uh, your boy Mike got a little sick this week with a nasty flu, so we delayed uh, our podcast recording. Usually we drop an episode on Tuesdays, so thanks for waiting with us uh, to talk some wrestling here on Friday. So, yeah, we got a lot to catch up on. It was a great Thanksgiving we saw an AEW Dynamite on Thanksgiving that was unbelievable. We got to catch up with all the great storylines that's going on with NJF and CM Punk. And then just this last week, we saw another female AEW Women's TBS Championship match wrap up. And the brackets are filling out nicely. And what is going on with Cody Rhodes' head right now? Is he desperate for fan approval with this last ATL street fight? I don't know. We're going to break it all down. But before we do all that, let's get acclimated with the boys real quick over in Glendale. His name is Steve Grobschmidt, who keeps it regal. How are you, Steve? Bad Street, Atlanta, GA. Bad Street in the whole USA. Bad Street, it. and hot. The further down the block you go, the better it got. <laughs> That's a deep cut. <laughs> yeah. And, and it came into good. my head the minute you said ATL. <laughs> <laughs> I had a different one planned, but no, that one worked. I love your improvisation, Steve. And yeah, I mean, that 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 is a... I, I think that's what Cody Rhodes is kind of trying to channel is just like the old school, like everybody should just love him because of who he is. But I mean, we'll get there. I mean, we got to we, We'll get to that match. Lots but, uh, to cover. Right, right, right. But let's talk to our boy. He's down in Bayview. He keeps it freshly squeezed. Matt Michelson. How are you, Matt? <clears throat> <laughs> cut my music cut my music nice if only we had one of those uh jewish uh suits oh my god uh, too, to accompany it oh you're referring to larry david's pajamas from this week yeah that's what i meant <laughs> yeah. god that was brilliant suit. And, you know when he came out in that outfit i don't know why but deep down i was like okay cm punk's gotta take a shot at him somehow and i think he did it just right like he i was concerned they might go a little overboard with it but i thought the delivery was good absolutely so we're referring to what just happened last night on dynamite we're recording here on thursday night but we should go back a week or so right before thanksgiving the conversation between cm punk and mjf that led off the program of dynamite uh we were texting in the group chat between the boys this let off the show. It was like a 20-minute uh, promo cut on one another, MJF and CM Punk. Um, 
I didn't actually watch it live because I was traveling, but Steve, I believe you watched it live, right? And you were like, oh, yeah. holy shit, this was... is crazy. So, um, yeah, let's 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 break it down a little bit. Um, what were your feelings and thoughts, Steve? I mean, let's yeah, let's start with last week. I think it was to me, it was one of the most one of the best like back and forth promos I've seen. I'd almost say of all time. Um Wow. It was so good. And again, you get that it's, it's, it's organic. It's two masters of the mic, uh, an all time great and an up and comer. And I mean, it was just bam, 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 back and forth. The Miz line, like there was so many things in there, like the whole, like the only way MJF that you're going to amount to something is if you wait long enough to marry Tony Khan's daughter. I mean, there were so many great lines in there and it just, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, if there was one pe criticism people wanted to have of CM Punk, which I couldn't have disagreed with more, was that he just wasn't, you know, it was just kind of a uh, debut that he's kind of just happy to be there. I, um, even if you had that feeling, you can't feel it after this feud because it's like lit a fire under that dude. And like, man, the, the everything they've done is perfect. I want to talk about this week in a second after we hear from Matt about last week, but um, from the whole CM Punk a couple weeks ago, just walking in the ring and then not saying a word and walking out and then that, 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 that verbal thing last week, it's just the foundations of a wonderful feud. Couldn't have put it any better. I, I, I so I also watched this promo live. Uh, I was at my parents' house uh, playing pool with my brother-in-law and we had it on in the background but there were so many moments while we were playing pool that we just got totally sidetracked watching this because the back and forth was so fantastic. Um, I, I agree with everything Steve just said. It's amazing watching CM Punk cut promos now that he's back into the business, kind of got his footing again, especially on the microphone. Um, prior to CM Punk returning to AEW, I think it's safe to say that MJF was by far the best talker in the company by a mile as well. Um, you know, all his feuds that he's had, he has really emerged as the guy just because of his ability to talk on the mic. And we saw it all out, you know, clearly he can get it done in the ring as well. So he's got that going for him too. But CM Punk coming at him on the microphone was incredible to watch. And I think it's because nobody has come close to touching MJF on the mic. But then you see CM Punk talk and you realize he is yet on another level, I think, at least above MJF. Don't get me wrong, MJF's a fantastic promo, and it, that's been the talk of AEW for the last couple of years. But there's a reason, I think, and I'm seeing it now, why everybody has been chanting CM Punk's name for the last seven years. And this promo, to me at least, proved why and showed why, especially as someone who hasn't seen CM Punk wrestle, um, at least while he's been active in the past. It really introduced me to him for kind of the first time yeah this was um all the matches that cm punk has wrestled leading up to the current day now i feel like we're warm-ups to get his body in shape uh just for the wrestling ring and honestly pairing him now with mjf is really getting he's always cm punk has always had the mic skills but now this is like okay now we're putting the whole package together. I mean, like, you know, the dude's been off on the couch for about seven years now. He's got to put the total package together. And what better person to put him up against on the mic skills than MJF? Matt, you're right. 
second to none. We've been saying it forever on this show that MJF is unbeatable. I mean, he kind of goes over the line a little bit, and you've got to take it back and, and say, wow, I don't know if he should have gone there, but that's just MJF. And he's pushing the company higher and higher. And you kind of forget he's only 24 years old. It's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Um, it's unbelievable. I mean, it, how old is CM Punk? Like 40-something? 40 42, I think. Yeah. Okay. I, I want to say he's 42. Okay. So you do the math on the differential. But these dudes are basically the most complimentary um, mouthpieces that you can have right now. I've been waiting for this. We were wondering, okay, who's next for CM Punk? I didn't think we were going to get it until That's a little so longer from now. Yeah. But we're getting it, and I think they're going to play this out a little, um, you know, little by little as um, the program develops into the next pay-per-view. Um, so, yes, the Dynamite that took place right before Thanksgiving was incredible. What did you guys feel about this last night's episode, CM Punk, MJF Exchange? I, um was more mixed this week and i'll tell you why first of all there's positives for sure i thought i continue to like that cm punk not only puts over everybody he wrestles but it's just like this story that because he was seven years out he's not gonna i mean it makes sense for daniel bryan to stomp his way through everybody because he's you know he's in his prime but cm punk should have to work at it a little because he's still got rust to get off so the match was great and i liked mjf on the mic because he during the match because he was saying you know he was like so we were like oh he's he's struggling look at him gasping like that part i like what a, you brought it up earlier how see like uh mjf kind of, kind of occasionally crosses that line that makes you cringe and sometimes i don't think it does him any favors in certain cases like when he said the meth line last week or whatever it was about cm punk it was funny when you say the same meth line multiple times, it's not funny. And it feels like you're just kind of going to the well too many times. Just like he had that abortion line a month or two ago. I didn't like it the first time, but okay, he said it. And then he said it again. And it was like, I just think some of this stuff he's overdoing and it becomes like for a guy who can be really witty and jab at MG and CM Punk for um, taking off, walking away from wrestling, you know, this or that. I think there's plenty of material in context. Whereas when he goes for like, you know, threatening to kill his dog or meth or bringing up, you know, in the past abortion, that, that's just, then he's like just shock jocking it. And I think he's better than that. And that's why I thought, yeah, last night dabbled too much in the saying things just to get a reaction versus being really clever. I, I think that's a good way to put it. Another line he had used a lot is pg punk versus CM yeah punk. yeah every now, time diminishes it <laughs> right exactly but i honestly he's saying it so much i feel like that's the narrative they're trying to create behind this story is mjf's going to be the guy to mm -hmm. get cm punk back to his old evil ways so yes it's a line that's getting overdone but i think it's really kind of foreshadowing what we're going to see up next which is kind of exciting when you think about it the steve you made a comment about the line mjf used about cm punk's dog that definitely caught my attention too <laughs> and that was the line that got cm punk to roll out of the ring and come after him i 
would not put it past MJF to try to follow through on that. I Obviously, <laughs> AEW isn't going to kill a dog. On no. TV. I mean, they've no. had enough issues with Pharaoh and fireworks and things like that. Right. Um, Cody's dog, for those of you out there who may not know who Pharaoh is. But um, I can see MJF doing something to just hint at the idea that he's going to do something to CM Punk's dog, which, in my opinion at least, I, I'm a guy who I can't watch a movie where a dog gets hurt or dies because Same it just here. Just crushes me. So I think if you want to get real heel heat, this may not be a bad angle. Like, you know, as bad of a line as it is, if he follows through on it, I mean, yeah, I'm going to be praying for CM Punk to kick his ass. Now, when that happens, I think it's still up in the air because we just saw Full Gear recently. We have winners coming. uh, I believe it's on December 15th. Two weeks. When is it again? Two weeks from yesterday. Two weeks from yesterday. Yes. Thank you. So we got that coming up here in the near future. The next pay-per-view, though, I don't believe is until 2022. So if they're going to pull the trigger on this feud, I see it happening at Winter's Coming more so than at the next pay-per-view. But at the same time, this this feud is so hot right now. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'd love to see them somehow bring it to a boiling point right at the next pay-per-view, but... I don't know how they could drag it out that far without it losing some steam. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. Do they do it at Winter's Coming? Do they do it at the pay-per-view? Mm. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, something I forgot to bring up that I'd be interested in your take on, too, is the Britt Baker line. Mm. Yeah. Like, that would... I don't know how I felt about that one either. I felt like it was just kind of... I, I guess it was. I felt that was kind of lame. <laughs> yeah, but... it, was, it was pretty lame. Um if for those of our listeners out there who don't watch all the content AEW puts out, there was a YouTube video where after one of the recent episodes of Dynamite, I believe it was, CM Punk, for whatever reason, came out wearing Britt Baker's jacket. Um, it was kind of funny looking just as a thumbnail on YouTube. But MJF took a stab at CM Punk by saying next he's going to try and get into Britt Baker's pants. And I, I don't know. Um, I thought it was a really cheap line. Didn't really draw any heat. I could see them somehow tying that into um, a feud with Adam Cole down the road. Maybe they're trying to almost tee up the next person for CM Punk after he's done with MJF. I, I really don't know, but that's me grasping at straws. But AEW does like to drop little hints like that. So if I had mm-hmm. to you know, give them credit somewhere, I would say maybe they try and make that comment into you know something to benefit the storyline, and we see CM Punk face Adam Cole. Yeah, I actually would work out. Yeah, because, you know, Adam Cole's like so unglued about Tony Schiavone being friends yeah. with his girlfriend. Imagine how he's going to be if there's some sort of, you know, MGF stirring the pot that there's something going on there. You know, I mean, that, that actually would be a tailor-made feud. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, who isn't trying to get on Britt Baker and AEW right now? Schiavone's all over, Adam Cole, <laughs> we got CM Punk. I mean, jeez. Well, that one so, guy from yeah, the one guy from the claimed wouldn't be trying to get on her. Uh, no. Bowens, <laughs> he's not. He's gay. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> Good to know. All right. Well, yeah, boys. Uh, all great points there. Uh, I I wasn't too convinced with this last exchange. Uh, I I mean, I was with uh, the Thanksgiving Dynamite this last week. It, it just kind of was dragged on longer than it needed to be. And then when they brought the dog in at the end, it was just kind of like a cheap way to end it all. Yeah, I, I agree. don't know. I think, and it's not I think, like... 
Go ahead. It's not like you actually heard the dog yapping back there. It's kind of like they just made it up. I mean, the dog isn't even there. Let's be honest, right? I, I mean, guess. Come on. Yeah, I, I guess for my, you know, restate something I said a second ago is that MJF has a wealth of good material, and when he deals in the sort of reality stuff and zings at things that like really get under the skin, it's perfect. Things like those other examples we gave just feel like like he doesn't need to. He's stooping lower than he needs to. Like he can get that heat by just being himself versus the, you know, I'm going to say something horrific about somebody's mother or like, so, you know, like she should yeah. swallow, I should have swallowed, you know, something like that. It's just trash for the sake of trash. Well, the sad thing is they committed to this dog thing. So now we're going to see actually if they are going to continue a storyline with CM Punk's dog. And they don't need to do that with a high caliber asset that they have as CM Punk and mjf so that's kind of like a mid-card kind of storyline so i don't know i think they painted themselves into the corner a little bit there i mean they can trash it as soon as possible but they shouldn't have ever brought it on tv i, I have my... this maybe it's wishful thinking i don't think the dog thing's gonna come up again okay well i don't think so either i think it was a stupid move apparently you haven't seen john wick Oh, man, what a movie. What a set of movies. Let's talk about that for one quick second. So I have Peacock because of the WWE. I think, I mean, I barely ever use it. I just like having the WCW, ECW thing. And I was like, why is John Wick, why do they make all these movies? Three of them. I never saw one of them. I put one on one time. I was like, okay, I got a little bit of time. I, I had I, I I was comfortable. I poured myself a nice drink. I was relaxing, and holy shit, those movies were good. Mm -hmm. What action! They Keanu really Reeves is a goddamn. He is a he is phenomenal. I'm a big fan, and I've gotten every year. I get it. Like okay, John Wick movies. If you if anybody yeah. has ever played this the game Cyberpunk, if you could get past all the bad press. He's in that. That's such a great game, and he's great in it. It's just the, mm. the, he can at times, a lot of times, do no wrong. Keanu? Yeah. Yeah. Well, think about it, too. I mean, he's an action icon. Uh, I mean, what he's done in The Matrix as Neo, and now this John Wick role, I mean, The Matrix is coming out with their new movie on yeah. in Christmas, and then John Wick 4 is coming out after that. I mean, Keanu is fucking rolling right now. Guy's yeah. a stud. And he, I guess he's humble as shit. Like, he rides That's what the I bus. Heard. He, he's very giving. He's, a, he's an amazing human being. We all should look up to him. Yeah, Keanu Reeves, man. He's the guy. I, I Thanks only for listening, Keanu, by the way. I, I can mm -hmm. easily see the CM Punk MJF storyline going the route of John Wick where MJF messes with CM Punk's dog and CM Punk kills him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, and John Wick hung it up just like CM Punk hung it up, but somebody, uh, you know, did something bad enough to poke the bear and get him out of retirement and go on a fucking tirade and, uh, take care of business. And nobody stays dead in wrestling. I mean, you go all the way back to WCW. They threw the giant off of a building, and then True. later that later that night he, he came back and wrestled. Um, <laughs> I mean, people were thrown and crushed in dumpsters in WWE and um, buried alive. AJ mm -hmm. Styles buried was buried alive. He's still around. I mean, yep. so yep. death is It'll a temporary thing in professional wrestling. 
Great point, Steve. <laughs> Thank you. All right. That's our John Wick plug. I like and, it. And, uh, yeah. Shout out to Keanu. Good friend of the show. All right. Let's move along. Uh, that was a good little synopsis of what's happening with CM Punk and MJF. But we got some ladies to chat about here. We saw an unbelievable match between Ruby Soho and Chris Statlander. Uh, I think it was the quarterfinal of the TBS Women's Championship. Uh, the brackets are filling out. But uh, we got, I mean, I was really torn about um, who was going to win this match against Chris Statlander and Ruby Soho. I'm a huge Chris Statlander fan. If anyone should hold the belt, I think it would be Chris Statlander or Thunder Rosa. So I was rooting for Statlander in this match. I'm not a big Ruby Soho fan. I love the music. I love the look. I think she's great. She's passionate. She works hard. But I just think Chris Statlander is the better wrestler. I feel like there is a move there isn't a move she can't do. So she would make a great champion. And honestly, pound for pound, Chris Statlander should have won that match. They put on a great show. Ruby Soho did up getting the pin, but not after a good 15-minute back and forth bout. What did you guys feel about this match? This was a great match. Um you know, I, I didn't have the chance to watch this episode of Dynamite Live this week, unfortunately, but I was able to catch the match after the fact. Um, and I was really excited for it because the promo work leading up to this was really great. There was a, for those of you who didn't see it, there was a promo, I think they released it last week or even the week before that, between Ruby Soho and Chris Stantlander. Ruby Soho really came off as a star in this promo. And Chris Statlander, excuse me, looked really good as well. So that alone got me excited for this match. And uh, you know, we've talked about this on past shows, but the four of us, well, three of us tonight, but the four of us at the time uh, went to All Out in Chicago and we had the chance to see Chris Statlander wrestle Britt Baker for the women's championship. And Chris Statlander definitely delivered in that title match on a pay-per-view. So I didn't expect anything less from her here. And like Mike said, great match. Um, she's got a really impressive moveset. For those of you who follow her on Instagram, she is always posting videos of herself working out. She can lift just an obscene amount of weight. Um, that was proven in this match when she whipped Ruby Soho up over her head and into the buckle in the corner like it was nothing. So that was pretty cool. Um, she walked on her hands at one point and cartwheeled out of some sort of a move. Really impressive stuff. Um, unlike Mike, I'm going to actually take the other direction and say I was not totally shocked that Ruby Soho won. I think she's probably the right choice for the TBS Women's Championship if that's the direction AEW is trying to go here because she brings something from WWE. You know, regardless of how she was treated over there and how she may have been booked, she definitely brings a certain sort of polish to women's wrestling in AEW. And I think we saw it a couple times in this match, just the moments between the moves in the match. She did a very good job of making it feel like a bigger deal than, you know, it may have felt otherwise. Don't get me wrong, Chris Stantlander getting it done in the ring, absolutely. I don't know, though, that she's quite perfected the storytelling element in between the moves to the level that Ruby Soho has. So we see Ruby Soho win this match this week on Dynamite. Not a super big shock. Um, but then post-match, Nyla Rose comes and attacks her to sort of build some heat before their next match in the next round of the TBS Women's Championship. So um, we also did see Chris Statlander run back in, though, to try and help Ruby Soho. So despite the loss, Chris Statlander looks strong in defeat. They kept her as a babyface. 
and everybody went home happy. Right. Yeah. I mean, everybody's been kind of saying this is Ruby Soho's belt to win. I'm just rooting. You know me. I like to root for the underdogs. I mean, Steve, I know you love her being the sci-fi guy that you are. She's the cosmic hottie. And uh, I'm with you there, bro. She is stacked. I agree. Um, So so now, okay. So we have, uh, you, you just mentioned there, Matt. Nyla Rose versus Ruby Soho. I mean, that's that's such a mismatch right there. But are we feeling Ruby's going to take that? We got to think so, right? I think so. To me, I think I think Ruby Soho is for sure going to be in the final. And I actually I tend to agree with Matt. I think the minute they created this tournament, my sense was that Ruby was going to win it all. Um what I don't know is if it's going to be Ruby in the final against Jade Cargill handing Jade her first loss or if Thunder Rosa hands Jade her first loss. And then they, because if you remember Thunder Rosa and uh, Ruby were the last two in that battle Royal that uh, Ruby allowed. debuted in and had a really nice exchange. So will they go to that well again? I don't right. think Thunder Rosa needs this title because I think she's going to go after Brit mm-hmm. and it's just a matter of when she gets knocked off. So yeah, I really think Ruby's going to win it. I think she'll beat Nyla Rose. I mean, I guess if Nyla does win, then, then I mean, there's no way. I mean, I know she has heat with uh, Jade Cargill, but Jade Cargill, Nyla Rose would be a really weird finale to me. And I just don't think it would go over very well. Although I, then, right. for, then for sure, Jade would win it all, I think. Yeah. But uh, I think it's Ruby that's going to win it. I totally now, agree. if I can go back, though, you said something about how you really wanted the Statlander to win. I just said, like Matt, that I th- felt like this tournament was tailor-made for Ruby to, to win. But even so, that match was so good last night, I doubted it. And I actually thought when Ruby, when uh, Statlander kicked out of uh, the finisher and, and Ruby was, like, stunned, I thought, oh, my God, they're going to do this. They're going to pull the swerve. Uh, and that's what I wrestling's at its best when that's when the, you dis, you suspend your own disbelief and are like maybe the upset's gonna happen and like by the end of that match I actually could see it go either way. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, thinking about it a little bit more, it's not the final match I would want to see, but I think it and it really I don't know I feel like it's Ruby Soho's time. Like she's she's hot right now putting a title on her, especially the TBS women's title would be a great move on AEW's part. At the same time, it would be interesting to put that belt on Jade Cargill to give her a little bit of a monster heel run because somebody's got to dethrone a heel, right? That's part of what makes that title exciting to watch and gives Mm -hmm. you something to look forward to in the women's division beyond Britt Baker. So yeah, I, yeah, again, could book it a million different ways like AEW does and they do such a great job of it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I th- you know, Jade Carg, I feel like like it's time to give her that one loss and then have her be all bitter about it and go, you know, go on another tear. But they could just double down and have her win the tournament and hold on to that title for a long time. And that would work. I think they've done a really nice job of hiding her limitations and building her up gradually, gradually, gradually. And I, I don't know, it's worked for me. I think she's outstanding. Like, I think she's an outstanding character. She's not an outstanding wrestler, but uh, she doesn't need to be right now. Well said. Right. Well, 
I I was rooting for if it's not going to be Statlander to be the TBS Women's Champion, I was going to be rooting for Thunder Rosa. But Steve, I'm going to hop on with you and hope Thunder Rosa goes after Britt. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Jay Cargill did win this. Uh, just you know to get people pissed off and get some kind of story, somebody to take her out. I like where all your heads at. I think you're booking this good. And it's been a good tournament, you know. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think this last match was great. Uh, I don't. I mean, I'm really. I'm not a big Nyla Rose fan, but how is Ruby Soho going to take her out? We know she is, but how's she going to do it? We'll just have to wait and see. I think what makes it believable is that Nyla Rose. I mean, they've had ups and downs with Nyla Rose, and I don't. You know, yeah, I never get excited to see her. Every once in a while, she'll pleasantly surprise you with a match. Like the other week, I forget who she wrestled, and it was like, like better than I imagined. Um, but she's blown matches before. She lost to Riho. She lost to Sheeta. She lost to you know what I mean. So I, I don't know exactly how it's gonna play out, but I suspect that it'll be like she goes for some massive power move and misses or something like that. And I think yeah. uh, that's how it'll happen. Yeah, I agree. We're we're getting off on a tangent a little bit, but yeah, Nyla Rose is one of those characters that when you look at her on paper, especially like AEW's win-loss record, she should be really exciting and quite a draw. I, I think though the the character of her character, um, just for whatever reason doesn't click. And and I don't know exactly what it is yet. I think she's starting to find that character a little bit more. In some of the matches she's had recently, especially, you see her talking to the camera and just talking smack in the ring. And some of it's been genuinely kind of entertaining. I think if she leans into that a little bit harder, we'll start to see her become a little more of a draw with the fans. Yeah. Well, and she's been around a long time. She was she's there in her late the 30s. Very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. She's been there since the very beginning. We've seen her do a lot of things, and the fans are, I don't know, I feel that the fans are a little sick of her, too. Mm-hmm. I don't think she does anything, you know, over the top where you want to keep seeing her do more stuff. You could kind of compare her to the Nia Jax, like how Nia Jax was the WWE. Could be Nyla Rose, could be that to the AEW <coughs> uh, promotion. So... Anyway, we spent a lot of time on the TBS Women's Championship. We need to get on to uh, what's happening with Cody Rhodes <laughs> and his search for fan approval and his desperate need to be loved. Uh, I don't know why he can't just get off of it and just turn heel and just accept the fact that he made a stupid decision to make a reality TV show that he thought people would end up loving him. But it kind of blew up in his face and he just kind of has to accept the fact that maybe he's not as cool as he think he is. I mean, the man has a neck tattoo of his own logo. And pretty much the only people that think that is cool are probably the people that stormed the Capitol on January 6th. Wow. I'm going to say it. (laughs) But we just, I mean, we just saw two weeks ago on Dynamite, he throws his weight belt (laughs) into the crowd. And the crowd threw the weight belt back at him. That was one of my favorite things. Absolutely. That is just awesome. And like any sane human being and real wrestler who loves the business should lean into the fact that people don't love him. 
If you want to be liked, be a heel right now, Cody. What are you doing? So, okay. So I, I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, and that's my fault. But um, no. yeah, that, that was such a great moment. Uh, you, you love to see it. But now Cody comes back to his hometown of Atlanta and puts himself in probably, I mean, he probably did, as the main event versus El Idolo, uh, Andrade El Idolo in an ATL street fight. And I did not watch this live. Um, I knew there was a flaming table involved because uh, I checked my phone later and I saw the highlights, but I watched it today. And uh, Steve, I know you watched it in real time. Sure did. And when when Cody took off his jacket and you saw the peeling skin on his back, what were your thoughts? I honestly, okay, I'll kind of do it real time. I first mm -hmm. noticed it after they did the garbage can thing. So when Taz at one point is like, what the hell's on his back? And then Taz yeah. was like, maybe it was the, from the garbage can. I actually kind of <laughs> went with that for a little while, even though it really didn't look like it, it didn't go away. I was legitimately confused. I was like, I have no idea what that is until the fire. And then I'm like, oh, I bet that's like some flame retardant thing they put on his back and it just started right. peeling out. It all came together at the end. But it, for the, the match, I'm like, what is going on? It looked like, I know. like he had a bad sunburn or something. Exactly. I'm like, okay. So that but can I say, I mean, before you go on, can I say kudos to Taz? Because I feel like, you know, WWE or like lesser hands would have just like tried to ignore it. But he, he made a believable, like, you know, he probably knew what it was. And he was like, what is that? Is that from the trash? Perfectly good way to cover it. But it looks so terrible. It did. That, uh, like, keep your shirt on. Or, like, <laughs> wrestle with something on. And then when you do the flaming table that we'll get to in a little bit here, take your shirt off. Don't make it look on live TV, like, with a close-up. I mean, it looked awful. It did. Like, I don't just, I just don't know what the guy is thinking where he thought this was a good idea. I'm like, oh, yeah, this looks good enough. People won't think it's obvious or anything like that. Um, I mean, and honestly, for a street fight, I thought this match was kind of sloppy, too. Um, this thing, this, this feud that he's got going on with Andrade, it's, it's just, it's kind of going long enough. And it's just, I don't know if he just convinced him to be like, yo, dude, let's just keep this going until... You know, we get to my hometown, we put on a great show for the fans, and people love me, and Andrade's doing them a favor. But I just thought the whole match was kind of disjointed. And we'll get to the ending in a little bit here. But, Matt, what were your thoughts first? Yeah. Um, so, unlike you guys, I did not watch this live. I caught the highlights after the fact. Um, my take on this whole situation with Cody right now, I think we talked about this a little bit on last week's episode. So, if you want to hear more, you can go back and listen to that. But... I think it's it started out, I think, as maybe meta heat to sort of copy what WWE has done with some of their stars in the past. Um, but as we know, for so for those of you listeners out there who are listening to this podcast, maybe this is the first time you're listening to it, you're probably thinking, well, why don't they talk about WWE? And when they do, why are they so negative about it? Well, I'll give you one example right here. It's because... Many times in WWE, and I'm sure you've seen this if you watch that show, there's matches 
and storylines where you get the same match or roughly the same match, maybe the same few people in different variations of the same match. And the wins tend to go back and forth. Like, you know, one guy might win one match, the other guy wins the next match. Maybe they fight in a tag team with a couple other guys they're feuding with and one team wins and the other team wins or some variation of that, right? And at the end of it, you just feel kind of empty. Like, well, what was the point of all this? That's exactly where we're at right now with Cody Andrade, Malachi Black, and Pac in this weird four-way, non-existent, can't coexist feud that they have going on right now. That's the other thing is one of the tag matches between those four was how are they going to coexist? Well, they didn't, and nobody liked it at all. So yet another thing, WWE, how many W's are there? WWE, two. Thank you. Um, Another thing those guys do all the time. So, you know, getting back to Cody... I want to believe that this started out as him going, okay, WWE does this to try and draw heat, but they don't do it right. Let me do it and I'll draw heat. I I got to believe that's what this started out as. Unfortunately, he's proven that what they do just flat out does not work. And I have to believe that he's got to start to realize it at some point in the future. I, I don't know though, just based on how long this feud has gone on, I don't know that that's the case, quite frankly. I do think the street fight last night, or excuse me, Wednesday night, was the final match of this whole series. I want to believe that. And if it is, fantastic. Let's move on to the next thing, because whatever this is just isn't working. Right. And and I totally agree with you. Um, I, I just think Cody's a little delusional right now. And... Brandy did not boost her stock with this roads to the top. If anything, it made both of them look like kind of shitty people that kind of care more about themselves rather than each other as a couple and their own vested interests. Um, Nobody's really cheering for them, but they're kind of forcing themselves down each other's throats because they're actually in positions of power to do it on their own in the company. I mean, if it wasn't WWE, they would have to get approval from the top and it would just never happen. And it would be Vince would force feed us. Well, there we know we know the power structure in AEW and I think Cody is calling his own shots right now and booking himself the way he is. And with the ending of this match with they when they set up the table and they're up on the turnbuckle, and then a, a, a lady comes in, or a, a masked figure comes in in a hoodie, and look who it is. It's Brandy. They start booing her, and uh, it looks like she just stole two Zippo-fueled, uh, like, uh, rechargeable Inset. little cartridges from Walgreens and starts spraying it out there, and she looked like a little, you know, it just was stupid. Really, really stupid. And, um, you know, she lights it up just for light it up sake. I mean, the fans were like pretty, you know, jazzed. But Andrade didn't even go through the table. (laughs) Cody was the one that went through the table. He was still on fire when he ended up pinning Andrade. And Andrade didn't even hit the thing. Cody's back. That whatever that flame retardant shit that they put on his back that made his back look like shit in the first place, I don't even think helped that Matt, much because I wore off during the match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 then plastic melted onto his body. 
Yeah. I mean, the guy is so desperate to be loved that he's putting himself through these painful things for people to feel sorry for him. Like, oh, well, he really hurt himself and he did this. this like, yeah. are, are we? is this why we're supposed to like this piece of shit? I don't know. I've wondered I, the same thing. Like, by the end of the match, admittedly, he had won me over. And honestly, I'm a sucker for a flaming table spot. Like, who isn't, right? So, sure. I... I yeah, I wonder, like, is he just going, okay, well, I got to really go over the top to get these fans back on my side. So he just thinks, uh, flaming table spot, and that's what they run with? I, I don't know. I did kind of laugh to myself because, Mike, like you just said, there was a piece of plastic, like, stuck to his back, still on fire. The best part yeah. was he went for the cover on Andrade. It was still on his shoulder burning, and you could see Andrade freaking out a little bit. I think he wanted to tell him, like, dude, you're still on fire. And, like, you could almost yeah. see trying to hit Cody to put out the flames even while Cody's covering him. So yeah, I, I don't know. This was just, it was a, it was an exciting ending. It was a weird ending to a match that just has the weirdest dynamic in pro I know. I'm, I'm more confused than ever. Cause you know, we talked about this at length weeks ago and I was on that. I don't know, but I really like to give him the benefit of the doubt and he knows what he's self-aware. This is all a long game to a heel turn. I am less certain of that now than I have ever been. And I just, yeah, the whole thing annoys me because if he's still playing a long game, um, kudos to him, although it's starting to get too long, but I just, I don't like, I don't like anything about it. I don't like him beating black. I don't like him beating Andrade. I don't like, yeah, it's like, okay. The cheap pop of a table burning and all that stuff. He, he got that short term thing. But yeah, the show ending with him on top like that, one of the most unsatisfying well, endings to me in a long time. And I'm sorry, I don't know how to say this without sounding like I'm like shitting on a human being. All I'm doing is shitting on a character, but nobody gives a shit about Brandy, the character on TV. Nobody. And it's not, she's not, if he's doing a heel turn, Okay, that's one thing. She's just there's nothing interesting about her character whatsoever. I don't give a shit if she's a heel or a face. She tried a heel when the company launched, fizzled within weeks. Face, she's just not she's neither good on screen as a character or a wrestler. So just help run the company and stay out of it. Her coming out and doing that did nothing for any story whatsoever. And it just but yet maybe they're self-aware of that and that's why she did it to just heap on this just like him pulling out the sledgehammer you know like he's like leaning into that like triple h stuff and all that but oh, i don't know i'm, I'm losing hope on this whole storyline mm -hmm. yeah he's he's looking very unintelligent because the reaction after the match he was like squeezing out the pain and just like going up on the turnbuckles and and just screaming like yeah like he was the valiant hero of of atlanta his hometown and he only got 50 percent approval rating that should tell in you in his right hometown there. yeah yeah like bro give it up like just knock it off and yeah nobody loves brandy what you were talking about steve is spot on nobody wants to see her nobody wants to see her do good the roster of women that you have there are more entitled to that belt or any belt or any ranking 
than Brandy is at. I'm gonna say what, what I said weeks. Go? I'm gonna say what I said weeks ago when AEW launched. She was at the bottom of the women, the tier of the women's wrestling. <laughs> now they've added a ridiculous amount of talent, which puts her even lower. She should. I, I don't ever want to see her wrestle again. I think I respect her as an executive. I'm sure she's a very smart woman that knows what she's doing, but she's not very good on the mic or in the ring. So don't do either. I, so I will say, I think when AEW first, even before AEW started, I think when Cody was wrestling in New Japan for a little while, Brandy was his valet. And now keep in mind, though, at the time, Cody was a heel. When Cody's a heel, Brandy as a valet is fantastic. She's very good in that role as a heel manager. And But if Cody's not going to turn, don't bring her in. Because that, I, that immediately is what comes back into my mind is Cody's a heel, right? Mm-hmm. And I understand if that's what he's going for, great. But, dude, pick a side because this whole floating directly in between the two, not it's working. not working. It, it just no. isn't. And, mm-hmm. and I think pretty much everyone out there is saying the same thing, which is it's not working. Yeah. And don't throw your belt into the crowd and be surprised when they throw it back. Well, and I love Jim Ross's. I love Jim Ross's line. That's dangerous. Well, what was him throwing it to begin with? Exactly, like throwing uh, the belt into the crowd and maybe hitting a fan in the face with the buckle. That's not dangerous. Oh, and by the way, they're wrestlers. Like their occupation is uh, getting you know hurt. You know what's dangerous? Apparently, Arn Anderson walking. Oh, baby, <laughs> yeah. Thanks. We totally forgot to bring this up. Arn Anderson is lucky to be walking i hope he is because he took another tumble uh just this last night and i mean he's so lucky that he didn't rupture that one looked bad well dude has a bad neck yeah and well where he fell was between like the ramp and like another you know platform kind of in a submerged area like kind of like a pit where they put the lights to keep them hidden and i mean the he he could have fell on the lights and if he fell directly at that i mean oh my god <laughs> game over and then the dude the funniest part was the dude like helped him up and yeah, then just so started beating his more. ass afterwards <laughs> yeah our needs, needs to be more careful out there i gotta tell you well i feel like for a couple weeks there they were hinting at hate like him and tully getting into it tully is spry as hell for 70 whatever he is like dude like oh, yeah. he can, he's still got this much left he can go um Iron, I don't know. I mean, if you can't get around the ring post or your fall, it's uh, maybe just it's like um, Jake the Snake, you know, like was pretty limited on his movement. But I feel like they at least were smart enough to kind of keep him in one spot. I think Iron's trying to do too much. Yeah, I agree. Steve, I got a I got a real kick for our listeners out there. Um, Steve, Steve live watched the show. And I didn't actually see it in the, in the moment, but I got a text from Steve. It just said, Jesus, Arn fell again. <laughs> I like, you know, and I mean, it's pro wrestling, so people fall for a living, right? But even just based on the context of the text message and knowing the, this one other time, a uh, couple months back when Arn fell trying to skirt around the ring post. <laughs> yeah, it just, it was a laugh out loud moment for sure, but yeah, if you haven't seen it, I would say, you know, there's must-watch moments from AEW Dynamite. They put the top five up on YouTube. This should be number, like, 1.5 because it's not up there, and it deserves to be near the top of the list, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. 
Arn Anderson is getting a life alert for Christmas this year. Oh my gosh! Fall- I mean, he's falling a lot, so he might need to wear one of those necklaces with a beeper on it. To, I mean, know, you're right sure though. Okay. That, I think in the grand scheme of things, he's okay. That could have gone horribly wrong last night. Oh yeah, he could have been paralyzed. But um, yeah, well, we'll put it this way too. Um, Tully Blanchard can definitely bend over and you know tie his own boots. Arn's definitely using a shoehorn to get his feet into his in those little shoes, and uh, probably somebody's helping him tie his shoes. So, you know, he's got he's got to be careful out there. It is. It's a treacherous business. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that was a good little wrap up of the current happenings in AEW. Um, and shout out to our boy Charlie. We didn't mention he's uh, at another Genesis concert. The dude freaking loves it, and uh, we're hope he's having a great time out there in Atlanta. And, uh, he, yeah, and he's got a great story when he comes back. He uh, bumped us into some notable wrestlers in the ATL airport. And a little hint for next week when he tells the story, they are the at the top of the list of the tag team PWI. So, um, yeah, little hint there. Anyway, I think that should take us to promo of the week. Let's go to the mailbag real quick and see what we got. All right. This one comes from David Drager, another close friend of ours uh, from Muskego. So uh, Southeastern Wisconsin, big, big fans of Keep the Kayfabe. This is great. He says, my favorite sport has always been basketball, but when Dennis Rodman appeared in some WCW, I watched some wrestling, even though I never was that interested in wrestling before. But keep up the great work, boys. I love the show, and you guys are awesome. So thanks, Dave. Uh, He submitted a Hulk Hogan and Dennis Rodman promo. Let's get to this one. Right now, Jimmy Hart, bring him in. WCW heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan. Check it out. And NBA superstar, Dennis Rodman. Dennis, the last time I saw you was at the airport in Detroit. That's the last time you go ever see me at the airport in Detroit, baby. <laughs> Brother me, Gene, you know what the deal is, big dude. Me and Rod the Bod, we were riding Harley Davidson's brother up and down Pacific Coast Highway, brother, all through the straddle of the night, brother, looking for somebody to bust up, dude. You know, we heard Vader's big mouth, how he's lived around the area, how he lived in the inner city, brother. That's a bunch of, brother, Vader ain't nowhere around the place, man. Take it easy, big man. Right now, we got Vader set up for the kill. We got the lambs led to slaughter, brother, with hundreds of thousands of Hulkamaniacs out there, dude. We're going to make Woodstock look like a backyard barbecue, brother. We got all the beautiful babes of Baywatch to distract Vader, man. We got the steel cage plowed in the sand, brother. I've got the killer whites out in the Pacific Ocean waiting, brother, when I press his filthy, stinky warden festival body over my head brother as I launch him over the top of the cage the sharks are gonna be there to rip and tear his body limb from limb but you know something mean Gene Rod the Bod Rodney man is the man that's got the nastiest attitude brother in the NBA and after he trains after he says his prayers and after he eats his vitamins brother he does whatever he wants to do and even though 
we got a steel cage out there, dudes. We know what happens around the WCW, brother. So I strategically paced the big brother right outside the door. And if anybody tries to come down and get in my face or interfere in that cage, rod the bot. Tell them what's going to go down, brother. Vader! Anyone gets know that cage? The head is bass, big man. Bass! You know what I'm saying, brother? Rod the Bod will take their face and he will give them a flory dory on the side of that cage. He'll turn their face into hamburger meat, brother. And with Jimmy Hart, Rod the Bod, the baddest dude around I know, and Hulk Hogan, and with the largest arms in the world, pumped and all the new veins pumping out of my tries. What are you going to do when the power of Hulkamania destroys you? What's he going to do, brother? What's you going to do, big man? Jimmy Hart, I thank you. I don't mind telling you if anything happens out there to Hogan, I'm certain with the presence of Dennis Rodman at the door, he'll rebound. Tony, Bobby, gentlemen, let's get back to you. All right, Hulk Hogan and Dennis Rodman from Bash at the Beach with Mean Gene Oakland. Gotta love that era, eh? Yeah, you know, Eric Bischoff has talked a lot about that. Like, you know, they had at one point they had Dennis Rodman, they had Carl Ballone, Jay Leno, like all wrestle. And it seems corny as hell, but he maintains that the attention they got was more than worth it, like the eyes that put on the product. So I know oh, wrestling, yeah. you know, us purest wrestling fans, when like Lawrence Taylor or or Mayweather get in the ring, you're just like, uh. But as long as they don't overdo it, you kind of you get to see like if it gets some that kind of attention. Oh yeah, smart. Well, it's good business. When people weren't, you know, able to look. I mean, nobody had a cell phone where you could watch anything else. It was just to call people. Like mm-hmm. a like a phone was just a phone. I mean, TV was TV. So if like the big attraction on TV was, you know, Rodman and versus malone and ddp and hulk hogan i mean that's what people are tuning in to watch it was just perfect timing for the times itself but also the technology so yeah eric bischoff knew what he was doing celebrity matches man they they're they're always something regardless of whether they're good or bad i mean the most recent one i think we saw was what Shaq and jade cargill against cody and red velvet and that match you know, a lot of critics were calling that one of the best celebrity matches they'd ever seen. So that was a blast. It was. Yeah. It was a blast. Um, Dennis Rodman, Hulk Hogan, you, you be the judge. <laughs> oh, man. I love Rodman. If you uh, if you want to see a good 30 for 30 on ESPN+, Plus, watch the Rodman uh, special. What an interesting figure. And also, if you're looking for something interesting to watch, I just, while I was very sick, I just binge-watched all the available episodes for this show called The Shrink Next Door. I don't know if you guys heard about this. I've it's heard on, about it. uh, It's on Apple TV. It's with Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell. And um, I'll say this. I'm a huge fan of Will Ferrell, and I'm a huge fan of Paul Rudd. But watching Paul Rudd's character, I really, really hate Paul Rudd. Is <laughs> how well he plays this part. So he's very yeah. hateable on this show for sure. We're Becky and I are on, I think, episode four or five right now. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. 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 So we haven't quite finished it yet, but yeah, I know exactly what you mean. 
Oh, dude. So, yeah, I think there's only four or five episodes. Uh, I think the next one comes out on Friday. But, man, I am hooked. But it's really hard to watch. But it's such a good show. Um, but, yeah. So, yeah, The Shrink Next Door. And um, probably a good piece of advice that Paul Rudd needs to uh, say in his his therapy sessions with Will Ferrell that could save him a lot of money and time is just if he listens to Keep the Kayfabe and keeps these little pieces of advice right here. And that's if you stay humble, stay hungry, and stay hard. Triple H. That's all you need, baby. Woo! Woo! Yeah!